finally got your first leadership gig, loving the new role, but feeling the pressure of your new responsibilities and all that expectation to perform, well, don't worry, you're not alone. Crossing the chasm from a technical role to leadership, from doing stuff to managing and leading people is the toughest challenge any leader must make. Welcome to the Human Edge Show, the podcast dedicated to help you do just that, successfully cross the doing to leading chasm. Campbell Such here, Chief Chasm Crossing Guide. I've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. I want to help you learn those lessons much more easily by sharing my experiences and talking with brilliant people who have already figured it out. You'll get great actionable tips, strategies and techniques to make the transition so much easier and faster for you. Now let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Human Edge Show. Today, I'm really privileged to have Pat O'Connell from the Rank Group with me on the show. Welcome, Pat. It's fantastic to have you on board. Morning, Campbell. Nice to be here. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a summary of of Pat and his life, uh, just to give you some some context for the the interview. Pat is CIO of the private investment firm, the Rank Group, which has interests in consumer manufacturing operations right around the world. He's been in that role for the last 15 years, moving into Rank when his previous company, Carter Holt Harvey, was bought by Rank. In his current job, Pat has responsibility for all IT strategy and operations across the group, concentrating on standardization, synergies, and efficiency of delivery. Mergers and acquisitions and vendor relationships are also significant areas of attention for Pat. In his earlier working life, Pat was more technically focused, like many of us, but moved away from that focus after laboring through an MBA some 20 years ago. Outside of work, he keeps busy trying to keep an, as he calls it, an aging body fit, but it looks pretty good to me. (laughs) And it's pretty full on, pretty full on as a granddad. So that's a, that's a great, great, some great background, Pat. So perhaps just to start off, you could, you could give us a little bit of a feel for what your early steps into leadership were like, how you felt, what uh, perhaps the, things that you stubbed your toe on and, and what, what were the big lessons that you learned at that point? Sure, sure. Well, I guess it depends on when you determine as you're actually your step into leadership because you're always changing, I think. And, and my early career was very uh, technically focused, as I, as I mentioned. Um, and it goes back a long way. It goes back to like the mid-1970s, possibly even a little earlier. That's aging me. Um, and and I, I fell into sort of what wasn't IT then, it was EDP, which was, um, you know, IT uh, computer operations. And, uh, and I started working for a company that ran some old IBM gear, working night shift, you know, changing paper on printers and stuff like that. But I got fascinated by this whole environment and, and, and um, started moving more into some of the very technical stuff, operating system support, systems programming, assembler programming, all that sort of stuff. And I really loved it because it was sort of a, had a mathematical sort of bent or a logical bent that I quite enjoyed and always, always excelled in at school, that sort of stuff. Um, and I stayed technically oriented for some time and, and sort of, I guess, moved into some sort of leadership roles in that in that sphere in that I sort of took over teams of technical programmers. I took over responsibility for operations of various environments uh, and so on. But I think probably the, the biggest change in my whole career was somewhat later than that when I decided I, <laughs> I did a lot of work in the technical area but didn't really know much about this whole business thing that we supported. So I decided to try and broaden the horizons. Oh, just hang on a sec. I've got some coffee arriving. <laughs> Thank you. Can I have one too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
just Pat, the cup's right in front of the camera. Oh, sorry. Just yeah, no, that's all good. Um, yeah, so I, I decided to try and learn a bit more about this whole business environment that we that we supported. And so I uh, embarked on doing an MBA. And like I said in that, that introduction, uh, that was... That was uh, four years of part-time work that I hated. It was the whole thing was just a real drag, but it was interesting at the same time in that um, uh, it gave me a sort of a new perspective on things. And I discovered that, well, at least uh, one of the learnings for me was that it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, you're in a technical role or a non-technical role, everything has its own technicality. So, you know, you move from the bits and bytes technical to commercial technical, and there's still a lot of technicality out there. And so you can apply that same thinking to any different sort of um, sphere of work. But but having done that, it sort of opened the door to more um, opportunities to branch away from the sort of fairly narrow focus I'd had previously. And that's probably where I started sort of considering that I was picking up some more leadership roles, if you like. And I started moving into leading teams of project managers and leading. Um, and ultimately, I became a you know a CIO, and um, uh, and and that was sort of like the sort of at that point in my career, I thought that was you know I'd arrived. You know, <laughs> that was that was it. I, I, it was sort of an un, unthought of previously unthought of possibility from someone who used to like diving around inside the bowels of operating systems to end up being CIO of a fairly large company. That was Carter Holt Harvey. Um, and so, you know, that changes your thinking. And um, I, I think that was probably where, you know, every little incremental piece of learning I'd had along the way sort of came to fruition at that point because you're starting to lead a large team across multi-disciplines. You're starting to interact with different sorts of people at different levels. You're starting to um, require to explain yourself and couch it in the appropriate terms for the people you're dealing with. You're, you're expected to uh, deliver results. You're expected to maintain operations, all sorts of different uh, expectations on you. And you've got to be able to cover all these uh, all these facets of it. Um, and that means that you, as a sort of the, the leader of that, if you like, have to rely on lots of other people doing things that you may have done in the past, but you need them to do for you and need to be able to trust them. So I think that, you know, that was the sort of the the real turning point for me, as I said, was when I branched away from the more tunnel vision role of being quite a technocrat into a wider role of being more of a generalist, I guess, in the and still IT, but much more commercially focused. Yep. And what um how did you how did you make that transition successfully because going from a technical expert into leading a technical team that's the that's one of the biggest challenges right because you're then having to manage getting stuff done through other people's stuff that you've done yourself in the past that you might still think you can do better than they can um, so there's that there's that jump across from doing to, to managing and then there's the get moving into commercial what was the big what were the big challenges can you can you remember how you felt at the time when you took on leading your first team and what challenges you had perhaps moving from being one of the one of the team to leading the team and those relationships all changing? Yeah, I think you, you put your finger on it before when you said, you know, you, you, it's hard to, to not lean over someone's shoulder and do it for them, you know. Uh, but but the, the whole environment was changing so quickly that while I had a fairly good grasp of all the technology that I've worked in and, and do it intimately, it only took five minutes for a full change, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden I didn't quite know how to do it quite as well as I thought I did because it was different. 
And so the concepts, the concepts were fine. You know, you understood how it all should hang together and what you should do and how things should be constructed or architected or whatever, but you didn't necessarily know how to do it anymore because it was a different language or a different technology or, you know, we'd moved from um, one operating system into another or one vendor to another and, or one database to another, and it was different. So, you know, you ended up having to rely on the expertise of the people who were at the same level you were previously in a different technology. So it was actually reasonably, not easy, but but it was forced upon me, I suppose, to move away from having to, you know, to resist the temptation to lean over someone's shoulder and pick up their pen, you know? Yeah, yeah that, look, that makes a lot of sense. And, I, and, you know, and there was so much change going on then. And, and if you look at the rate of change, it's only continued to... Oh, that's right. And so, so today, so for but a I do, I do think, uh, yeah, and this is slightly off topic possibly, but I do think having a, in what my background was very technical, it was, as I said, it was right, you know, right down to the lowest level. I think background, regardless of how um, technology has changed, the fundamentals are still, you know, even though no, one's, though no one sees them anymore, they're still the same. And it does help you with your ability to, interact with the people who have that very deep technical knowledge now and translate that into something that is, you know, able to be consumed by someone who doesn't really know or want to know the detail of that. So it, it actually does help. Otherwise, you know, and, and you also find you can't, you know, no one, no one can put a, you know, snow you on, put a snow job over you on, on, on what they're doing because you, you do understand that. And then and at the level you do, at a level sufficient enough to be able to understand what's going on, you do still keep that, I think. Yeah, that, that's right. Those those technical the technical skills that you had that got you started, the knowledge the knowledge and the understanding of the concepts and the broad way that things work uh, carries on, and that, that makes it so much harder. That word snowing, right? That, so that you yeah, you know yeah. when someone's bringing you something that's rubbish or or not. Yeah, right, you do. Yeah, and it, and it's even it's even not so much the broad concepts; it's the detailed concepts because regardless of what the different system is or the different technology or the different architecture is. The, the basics are still always, you know, almost identical down below at all. So it's it's hard to get too um, too out of your depth as long as you're not right in the weeds, you know. And, and so I think it's, it's actually been quite useful. And so, you know, it's not something that people talk about much, but I think having that technical background actually has been quite an assistance to, to everything else I've done. Yeah. 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 I, I see, I see the, the real value in in, uh, in having a technical background because just in whatever you're doing because then you you're in a much better position to be able to make good decisions and and bring bring thing thinking to the table that that others that are operating at a different level might not might not yeah and I, but I also think that that you know the given that the you know technology is there's such a plethora of technology now and there's such a scope there that you know, when I was when I was a young fella just starting off it was a relatively narrow field there was not much. <laughs> There was not much you could do. <laughs> we didn't have all the all the whiz bang stuff that we've got now. Um, now there's a lot of stuff that you know you can make a, a, a really decent full on career just in some sort of technology area because it's so special. It can be so specialised now. I don't think back in my day it was quite that way, and so therefore it was almost like you had to get out if you wanted to get anywhere else. If you weren't going to be shut in the back room for the rest of your life doing the same thing because you know you couldn't really see much future in it. Yep. Pat, going back to um, to you, you've the, you've had a, a long career, and there's a lot of things that have happened, good or bad, through your career. In one of the challenges for a lot of a lot of people, especially when they move into leadership, and the responsibility and the weight of that responsibility starts to come on their shoulders, and they their hour, working hours may blow out. 
they tend to put aside or, or what tends to get pushed aside is the is your personal life and you end up having a, a, a perhaps an unbalanced life. And one of the things that really disappears or can easily disappear is looking after yourself and making sure that you've mm. got the, the health and the fitness and all of those other things that mean you can bring your A game to the, to the role. Mm. You got any kind of thoughts around what, yeah. what new leaders could do to make sure that they perhaps recognize when those things are happening and what they might do to make sure that, that they put some time or put some focus on that to, to help them. Oh, look, I, I mean, I've always thought it's really, really important to look after yourself um, physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. Um, and, and I try very hard to do that. I've, I've always maintained a pretty good physical fitness. Um, um, never <laughs> never going <laughs> to win many races, but but doesn't mean I can't keep trying, you know, and I, and I do keep trying. As long as the body will let me, I will keep trying. Um, and I think that's very important to maintain a good physical fitness. It just keeps you on your toes. Uh, I also think it's important to maintain a wide range of interests, non-physical, non you know, like I love reading. I read an awful lot. And I find that not only does it sort of, you know, help you mentally, it, it actually broadens your skill base in a lot of ways. It just, it just simple things like increases your vocab, improves your sentence structure <laughs> everything you know if you the more you the more you consume the more you can put back out in a better form and so i find that um you know if i if i hadn't been interested in in doing things like that i don't think i would have had the ability to be able to articulate ideas as well as i can because i've maintained a pretty good comprehension of lots of different things you know i've tried to maintain a pretty good comprehension of lots of different things everything's inter and everything interacts with each other and everything contributes you know and i think it's very important to balance it's also important to you know get away from the work for a while and go and you know cruise down a river on a raft or, or play with your kids or play with your grandkids and go and kick a ball around anything like that um because you know while you're doing that, the old machinery can still cogitate away in the background. And quite often you come up with good ideas when you're miles away from the, the problem sitting in front of you. So, I mean, I, I think it's, 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 you know, you never, there is no real distinction between all these facets that, that everything contributes, you know, um, and everything leans on each other and everything assists with the, with the other, other facets of your life. You know, the, the, the better your health is, the better your work life is, the better your emotional health is, the better your fitness is, you know, it's all these things work together. I think it's, it's it's very very important to to not think that just you must get up at six in the morning and work till you know nine at night because someone's watching you and you've got to deliver. You know that that's that's a very short term win, to my mind. And ultimately, ultimately that will lead to uh, all sorts of downsides, right? Health wise, yeah, it, it might help. And and, and and sure, you do have situations where you have to do that um, because you know we've all got deadlines, we've all got problems. There's always emergencies, so you do it, but you don't you don't make it a habit. You don't do it every day. You know, you do that, you'll you'll burn yourself out or you'll, you know, get tired and make a mistake and just everything will <laughs> fall apart, you know, so it's got to be balanced. So would you have any suggestions for, you know, this is quite a broad, broad, uh, broad question. Would you have any suggestions for new leaders and leaders that are starting to, to move through when that pressure does come on? What, what, how, how might they structure their day or how might they make it work so that those other things don't, they don't lose focus and don't lose sight of those? Oh, I think you've got to give yourself goals, you know, like, and, you know, might be something as simple as I'm going to read three books in the next month or something like that, you know, and just keep, keep, keep that on your, on your goal list as well, or I'm going to um, try and get my 
I'm going to do a half marathon in September, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, anything. Just and, and if you've got that as a goal, and make it as an equal goal as to everything else you, you've got on on your on your desk at work, um, you know, you'll you'll find time for it unless you get absolutely sidetracked because of emergencies, and then that's fine. You can you can you can make, pick your priorities when you need to, but just keep yourself with goals you want to achieve and um, keep goals you want to achieve ahead of you, and just keep going after those and keep make make sure you do concentrate on things that aren't just associated with you know, your, your, your daytime work role. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's, that's great advice. And, and so you, you, you end up with your, your work life or your work goals and also your other, other goals in your life and, and yeah. make sure that they all kind of fit. But also don't, don't beat yourself up if you, you know, miss doing something or, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, if you, if you, if you don't make one of those goals, there will be goals you don't make all the time, but if you don't have them, you'll never make them. Yeah, well, that's what you're talking about before, right? You, you say you're never going to win. You're probably not going to win, but you never know, right? And um, that's right. That's right. pushing yourself and making sure you stay fit, look after your body. And, and that's right. <laughs> yeah, even even though, as I said earlier, Campbell, I don't think they're going to call me up for the Olympic team this year. <laughs> don't think. <laughs> well, you, you never know. It's going to be an interesting. Oh, I've got a fair idea. <laughs> but as you moved up through your up through the ranks and into your CIO role. Um, one of the things that's critical is getting things done through other people. And the further, the further you move up through the, the ranks of leadership and management, the more likely it is that you're going to be managing others that are managing and leading other people. Mm. One of the biggest steps you make in your life is, is going from you know that, those early roles, that you, the early changes you made, going from a technical role into a team lead role and then moving up through what would you what would what would you say to leaders of leaders who have just appointed someone into a new leadership role, probably from a technical role? Maybe they were the best in the team, or maybe there's some other things you saw in them, to to ensure or to make to, to give them that new leader the best chance that they're going to be successful. What should you do as a as a leader of leaders? I tell you one one thing I see all the time, and it's and it sort of applies to the situation, but it, you can look sideways and see it as well, and that is that. When people get appointed to a sort of, I'll say a leadership role, but a role of some authority, let's say that, just to, as, a, as a proxy for it for the moment, because I think that it's slightly different, but it's uh, it's an interesting sort of discussion. And and that is that people, when they get appointed to roles of authority, become authoritarian about it. <laughs> and I see this all the time. And as soon as, you know, it's like as soon as they're the boss, they're going to start ordering people around. And, and that is, even if they don't consciously think they are, they start um, quite often, and it's not by any means a general. It's not a generalisation. I just now and again I see it. Reasonably often I see it. Uh, they become um, more dictatorial and and more uh, demanding. And and I don't think that's that 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 does nothing for you. Absolutely nothing. I mean, there are times when you have to do that, but it's not. It, it's a in the by far the minority. You should you should be demanding. The, the the collaborative way of doing things and being collegial about things is much more effective. And I find that um, quite often when people will get promoted, and quite often if it's out of a technical role into something different, or because then maybe they haven't quite got the maybe very technically focused and don't quite understand the nuances of team work, maybe, I don't know. Um, but they become, they become, you know, quite dict- dictatorship starts, starts unfolding before them. And, and, and that is, you know, to my mind is the recipe for disaster. Yep. And so as a, as a, as a, le- as a leader of someone that's just been uh, appointed into that role and you start to see that sort of thing happening, what's your approach to help them then, 
see that that might be a challenge for them to operate like that? And how do you how do you go about helping them to learn those skills well, that I think it's, subtly I think they it's, might not otherwise yeah. recognise because of their real focus in the technical space? Yeah, and I think it's important that when you're in a role like this, you you have to always maintain a very open dialogue with them when you're working with them or who is working for you. So you should never be unable to talk to them about what they're doing. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I find it pretty easy just to go and talk directly to people about, hey, I don't think that was quite the way to do that. How about doing it like this? You know, and, and if you've had a good relationship with them and you've run it like that in the past while you've been willing, working with them, um, it's not hard to, to just, you know, be quite open about it. And, I, and, you know, and if you haven't done that, then it's harder. And, <laughs> and therefore, you haven't um, lived your own values anyway and you're trying to tell them to do something that you haven't done yourself. Yeah. So how do you how do you go about building that relationship with your direct reports um, to and so that you can have those conversations with them uh, when the times when you know when times needed? Well, I think you've got to be able to you've got to be able to have a very good relationship with all your direct reports. They've got to be you know they've got to, they've got to work you've got to work with them as the, as colleagues as a team. They've got to, you know I guess it, it's easier if you're the one employing them because you can pick people you think you're probably going to work with, but sometimes you inherit people. And sometimes that's quite hard because you you know might inherit people that don't necessarily work the same way you do or don't work the way you would like them to work in terms of interactions with their with their colleagues. Um, but I, I find you just have to slowly draw them out, just have to slowly get alongside them. Um, they see the way you work. They will either adopt or adapt rather or, or not, and, and sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and sometimes some people just don't fit in or don't fit in your team, and if they don't fit, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Pat, you just talked about two things there. One was you inherit people and you, uh, you, you, you come into a team where you inherit people that, that you perhaps might not have otherwise chosen, and the other one is choosing people. Mm. When, you're, when you're going through the process, if we can just put the inheriting one aside for a moment, when you're in choosing new leaders for, you, for your direct reports, how do you go about identifying who would make a really good leader and what sort of a process do you put in place um, that helps them get into that role um, and, and then supports them after they're moved into the role? Yeah, I think it's um, it's kind of difficult to sort of say this is the steps you go through because it's not necessarily a formulaic thing. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to get someone to do a specific role, firstly, it's clear they've got to have the, the capability to do that role, whatever it is. So let's assume that you've got over that hurdle. Um, and and then after that, you, you've got to be comfortable that you can work with this person and it's going to, fit into the way you run the ethic of your environment, your team. Um, that, that's a bit harder. And that really, you know, and, and sometimes you make mistakes, you know, because people can interview, um, even if you have multiple interviews, they can interview differently to what they transpire to be like in real life. Quite different. Um, uh, and and you, will, you will fall flat on your face in some cases, and that have, that's happened to me many times. Um, but... I do try and uh, during the in, during interviews, I, you know, I tend not to call them interviews really. You, the interview is a bit where you check out, they can do what you want. <laughs> the rest of it is a discussion about how things are going to work and how things fit. Yeah. And and it, it can be, be all over the place. And you can get, I think you can get a pretty good sense for someone's personality, for someone's um, demeanour, um, how they act, if you have a reasonably good long chat with them about all sorts of stuff. Um, and so I, I tend to do that. I tend to talk about things that have nothing to do with the specific technic technicalities of the role. Um, 
and that served me reasonably well. But I, but it's not foolproof. I've I've had some real disasters, you know, and um, some people can, you know, tell you one thing and act differently. So I, I find it's very important to try and understand the person, you know, more of their background, the way they work, uh, what they like to do, you know, and just see how that all hangs together. And if you can have a good chat with them, you're going to probably work pretty well together. Yeah. Assuming they've got the technology competency or the, the, the specific role competency that you need, you know, and that's obviously a ticket to the game. Yeah. So they, so they, so are you talking about people that you're bringing into your team, hiring in from the outside that have already been in a leadership role and you're assessing whether they might fit in your team as a leader? Or are you talking about people that have come from a technical role where they've perhaps never had any exposure to leadership? Oh, either, actually, either, I think. I mean, I, you, you're still trying to assess, you're almost trying to assess their, their, their fit as a person in your group or in your organisation or in your team. And that, that is, probably going to be the same for, you know, pretty much the same for someone coming in from the outside or someone coming out from a technical role because they, they're moving to something different from what they, where they've been. And they're moving to something you understand, you've got to try and assess whether or not the, 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 the person is going to suit the environment um, from a, a, a natural fit perspective as opposed to technology, technical perspective. Um, so it's, it's pretty similar. You just, I guess the, the only slight difference is that, that with the person coming up, through the organisation, you may well know more about them than you do about the person from the outside. So that could well be, um, you know, sort of a slight difference between the two because someone coming from the outside, you probably don't know at all. But, you know, similar thing. You're still going to try and assess whether they're going to fit the the the, um, the dynamic of the team you're in, yep. you're running. Okay. If, if you were, um, if you were, if you were, Leading a team of technical people, so not a not a team of leaders, but a directly and you know back in your the day when you're directly leading a team of technical people, did you have any way of being able to identify those people in the team that might be more inclined to make successful leaders versus the ones that would be best to carry on and become technical experts or gurus in their space? Yeah, uh, I think sort of self-selected. To be honest, I mean, it was it was. Um, well, I'm just trying to think back in situations like this, but uh, and I and I probably didn't even consciously think about it at the time. But there have been there have been times when you've worked with people who, you know, you, you, you know they're going to be never happier than when they're sitting in the corner with a slide rule, you know, um, and and others who are sort of looking up over over the over the, um, the, the 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 divider and looking for something else to do or got good ideas about what they were going to do after work or, you know, <laughs> they, they show a spark of interest elsewhere. And, and it's, and it's it, it self-selects, I think. You know, I think people push their own, not push their own agenda, but push push where they want to go. And that's where they, you can and you can see that. As long as you get your eyes open, you haven't got your head down on the slide rule. <laughs> yeah. So the way, that, the way they behave leaves clues, right? Yeah, absolutely leaves, leaves clues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, um, that's great. Um, Pat, look, that's been a that's been a fantastic um, conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, just before we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have? That you like anything you'd like to add at the end that I um that I that I haven't mentioned or asked you? Um, oh, I don't think so. I mean, there's all sorts of things we could talk about, but um, you've got other people to talk to. <laughs> Much more interesting than this. <laughs> if, if there was, if there was one gem you could you could leave for a new a, a, a technical person considering leadership or considering a technical path, would, would there be anything in, in, that, in that space that you'd, you go, 
Think about Cons- that. Considering moving away from the technical, you mean? Yeah, but so that, you're trying to make that decision about whether they carry on up the, up the road oh, being a technician versus being a technical person versus moving into leadership and taking on all that new stuff across, you know, because it's a it's a big change, right? The toolbox that you have as a technical person, so a completely different toolbox that you need when you step into leadership and start doing those things. Yeah, um, I think it's a very personal decision that, everyone's going to have to make for themselves. They've got to sort of think about what they want to be doing in 20 years' time, 10 years' time. And um, and that's hard too because, you know, even if they've got their toolbox in their hand and they're quite possibly wanting to get out of that role, 20 years' time, the technology landscape will be so much different. They could be doing something quite different and be quite happy still with a different with a different toolbox, but, you know, in a similar sort of role or something in, in that same sort of sphere. If you're going to do a complete change to something non-technical and get into some sort of more commercial or sales or whatever, um, you've got to be comfortable you're leaving that behind and you are going to embark on a whole new career. And that's, that's a pretty big change. Having said that, if they are thinking of doing that and want to do that and they've got a good technical background, there's nothing to stop them learning that new, in quotes, technology of the different discipline, of the different sphere of operate, sphere of work. Um, so, you know, if they're brave enough to do it, good on them, they'll, they'll be successful. Um, if they're not brave enough, they've got to think out long, long term. Am I brave enough to go and do something completely different? Do I want to be doing something completely different? And, 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 and just look around, learn, learn about, you know, talk to people in different roles and say, and look, if you'd like to do, see if you'd like to be doing that sort of job, you know, widen your horizons. Don't, don't just say, I'm going to go and be a, you know, general manager now or whatever. I'm, cause you know, what does it mean? Go and find out yeah. and, um, and see if you would be comfortable in doing something day to day that's quite different to what you're doing day to day now. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's uh that's, that's great advice. There's a, uh, Daniel Gilbert wrote a book called Stumbling on Happiness, and the thesis of the book is that we actually don't know whether or not we're going to like something until we, until we, until we do it. Mm. What, mm. what you've talked about might give you a, an ability to sort of move in that direction and get a feel for it, but often it's, you, you don't know uh, until you do something. And so perhaps the other thing is when you look, at, when you look back on your life, most of the things that people you know that are nearing the end of their life say that the things that they regret the most are the things they didn't do. So yeah, if, yeah. If, actually, that, 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 that's right. And I was, something I was just going to say, and, and it sounds like it almost sounds um, a little bit trite or trivial, really. But I, I, I think if you keep your horizons broad and your options open, things will happen and you can take advantage of them, you know, and never be afraid to take advantage of something. Um, and what was the phrase I heard not long ago that was quite good? I'm going to get it wrong, but it was along the lines of, you know, something along the lines of, you know, hard work puts me in the place where good luck finds me or something like that, you know. you know. And so if you work hard and keep your options open and your horizons broad, some something, there'll be a little flash on the horizon. You'll think, that's interesting. What's that? And you go over there and all of a sudden someone's grabbed you and you're doing something different. You should never be afraid of that, you know, and, and, and you can't, you can never know if you've done the wrong thing because you never know what happened on the path you didn't take. That's exactly right. Wow, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, wow. Well, that's a fantastic spot to leave, Pat. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. It's been a wonderful interview and I look forward to having you back on the show again sometime. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks. All the best. Bye-bye. Okay. Ciao. See ya. Thanks for listening. 
If you have a friend or a colleague who would benefit from this episode, please pass the word along. If you have a friend or a colleague who would not benefit, but you haven't been in touch with them for a while, give them a call. iTunes reviews are great to get the word out and to help me create the show that's most useful for you. And if you're frustrated or having challenges or would like some help, guidance, assistance with your first leadership role, then check out integrationcatalyst.com in the link in the podcast notes below. Or pass this on to your boss to nudge them to get you the help you really need to cross the doing to managing chasm and get you powered up on your leadership and management journey. Oh, and if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, hit subscribe. Until next time.